Welcome back, everyone, to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm Donna Harris-Richards, LICSW and CST, that's Licensed Independent Clinical Social Worker and Certified Sex Therapist doing sex in couples and relationship therapy. And I'm here today with my, once again, most lovely producer, Vicki. How are you, Vicki? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about uh, low-drive flow sexual desire in women. It's going to be fun. And actually the next podcast is going to be, oh, what's the name of our next podcast? It's, oh yeah, it's going to be Stuck Stan and the Low Desire Man. So we're going to be talking about hypoactive sexual desire disorder in uh, men and women. And today we're starting out with women. And I also want to make sure to state my mission, which is that I want to help people Embrace sex positive thinking into daily life for optimal health, which includes sexual health. We go for annual mammograms and pelvic exams and and all of that uh, prostate exams for men uh, for physical sexual health. Why not do a checkup on how we think about emotional and mental health aspects of sexual health to increase pleasure, play and passion in our lives? Right, Vicki? Absolutely. I know you're all down with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what have you been up to? I, you know, just, I got a couple new plants, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and I'm becoming more and more of a, of a too many plants, plant lady. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have a curio cabinet that, um, a family member gave me that I'm turning into a little greenhouse for the winter for my plants. So I'm excited. Oh, how nice. How have you been? I've been good. I've been on a Sophia Loren movie festival kick. Ooh. What was the, the yeah. latest pick? It started in Naples. Ooh, I, I do love Sophia Loren. She's great. She is really good. Um, this movie was made in 1960. And it's with she and Clark Gable. Mm-hmm. And she was 26 and he was 59. And, you know, when I looked it up, I didn't know this. It's kind of sad. He made that movie the year he died. No way. So I'm looking at him thinking, you know, he's a very handsome man. Um, and I thought, God, you know, how old is he? So that's, that got me looking it up. And she is just unbelievable. Like some of the costumes she's wearing, you just see that. A gorgeous figure of hers and her waist is like you know i don't know 20 inches around it's she's just and her performance is just excellent so um the reason we got on this kick is because she has a new movie coming out um she does yep direct well i turn i made a note in my phone and i turned my phone off but it's directed by her son uh and i don't know what it's called something with the word time in it uh but anyway i just started thinking oh I can't travel right now, so I'm going to travel via the movies. And I think that's an amazing way to go about it. Is Hmm. it um, the life ahead, maybe? Maybe. Mm -hmm. After a quick Google search, uh, the life ahead looks like it might, that might be what it is. Directed by her son. Yes. That's exciting. this, This will be her 100th movie, apparently. Wow. She's just, she's just amazing. Yeah, she's hot stuff. So, <laughs> so that's really good. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. You know, as well, I mean, the weather's been amazing, right? For, it's for crazy that the weather's the been this nice. T- 
for the time of year, it's just absolutely gorgeous. So, um, yeah, so so been up to that. And I just wanted to kind of acknowledge the recent passing of Betty Dodson. Betty Dodson was, um, you know, the, the, the amazing woman who wrote Sex for One. Uh, and, and actually, here's a great Betty Dodson quote. Where is my Betty Dodson quote? Um, so I don't have the actual Betty Dodson quote, but it's something like, masturbation will carry us from childhood to adolescence, through marriage and into old age. So she was just this powerhouse of a representation of optimal sexual health for women. She started in the 1960s and she just died at 90 or 91, I think. Uh, so she was great. Uh, so shout out to Betty. Thank you, Betty, for all of your great Th- work. Thanks, Betty. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Betty. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so today I kind of wanted to talk a little bit again about uh, you know, desire and arousal in women. Uh, low desire is actually called hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Uh, I don't like to pathologize, but I want folks when they're coming in for sex therapy to be thinking about, uh, you know, if, if they want to have more frequency of sex or they are interested in optimizing their sexual health and enjoying it more, um, then we want to think about kind of getting it up, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> So many jokes, right? In sex therapy. So 50% of the, 50% of the time, um, women experience low desire and 50% of the time men experience it. So it's not related to gender. It just kind of is what it is. Um, and I, when I do assessments with women, I'm really thinking a lot about Uh, the following things that I will ask them about. So, um, you know, are they having any issues around orgasm? Are they having any pain issues, Uh, you know, regarding libido, as my clients call it? I don't call it that. I call it desire. Uh, You know, where where is that in in the scheme of things? Um, You know, their sexual affect. We talk about uh, frequency. Um, Incontinence is another thing. Uh, to remember to ask about. So lots of this, uh, these biological or physiological issues, you know, if they have been ruled out by a doctor that everything is normal, which mostly, as you know, Vicki, right, we talk about just about everything's normal. Um, So if all that's ruled out, then really, again, you know, we're looking at anxiety, we're looking at uh, pressure, uh, maybe feeling overwhelmed, and this is impacting sexual function, sexual health. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about it this morning when I was uh, getting ready today to talk with you about this. And I was thinking, you know, imagine that we were having a problem with the functioning of our knee. <laughs> and I talk about this a lot because I, I sometimes have this problem myself. And and let's say I go to my my ortho doc and I say, doc, you know, I'm, I'm avoiding walking because my knee hurts. Hmm. Um, or I'm, or maybe my knee doesn't hurt anymore, but I'm just afraid that it's going to hurt. Uh, you know, then he's going to want to help me figure out what's going on. Is there something physical? And if not, then is it how I'm thinking about it? Right. Right. So if I'm afraid to walk because it's caused pain in my knee, we really want to look at, you know, what am I thinking about? What am I afraid of? So, you know, he has said to me, uh, shout out to my amazing Dr. Chad Beatty over at (laughs) Fonts Corner. He's really, he's a God among men. 
Um, <laughs> he's fixed everything. And, and, you know, he helped me, and I'm thinking about this this morning, he helped me think about it differently. He said, look, if you've injured your knee and now you had a little bout of arthritis in it, you know, keep walking, keep going, you know, don't stop. Right. Because if we stop walking, right, then that's not good for us. So if we stop connecting with our partner sexually or with ourselves, you know, that this is, again, not good for our health. Right. Right. So this is one of the ways I can normalize a conversation with my clients about sex and intimacy. Like, how do we how do we normalize the conversation? So sometimes I'll say to folks, you know, desire is the state of our hearts and arousal is the state of our parts. So so today I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Gina Ogden, who came up with this model of the 4D wheel. And this is something that I incorporate when I'm thinking about how to talk about sex with my clients. So the 4D wheel essentially is just talking about um, heart. You know, where's our heart state? Where's our mind state? Where is our body or genital state? And where's our spirit or soul state? Um, and again, if we've ruled out, you know, medical stuff, now we're talking about how we're thinking about it, right? So if it's about anxiety, and that's when people are coming to me, um, you know, I want to look at the, the narrative. If people are feeling anxious about sex, and so therefore they're not having it as much as they would like or their partners would like, you know, maybe they're feeling overwhelmed or pressured. And that will cause women, just like also with men when they are low desire, this causes people to be sexual withdrawers, you know, rather than pursuers. Um, and if and they haven't, talked you know. about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. ahead. (laughs) No, I just, I just had a thought, but it was just, you know, if you and your partner haven't had sex in a while because you're nervous about something, then that just is going to continue to cause anxiety and then kind of prolong the process. And then you'll be anxious because you haven't had sex in a long time. And it's just like, it's a big circle, you know, it's just a cycle. Yes, that's right. And, and in cognitive behavioral therapy, we call that double trouble thinking. So you have the feeling, right. And then you have the thought about the feeling. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hurt my knee. Um, and now I'm, uh, uh, feeling, uh, worry about that. But then I'm worried about my worry about it, right? <laughs> you know, or I'm ju- or more more accurately, I'm judging my worry about it. What's wrong with me that I can't stop worrying about it? Right, and around right. and around we go. Yeah. So to your point about this, it's like a cycle or a circle. It's a cycle. Um, yeah. So you know, once again, love the lovely Emily Nagoski. You know, she she talks about uh, the car as the metaphor and the brakes and the gas for women. This is a great one. It's also applicable to men. You know, we have to find out what is the stress or the pressure that's putting on those brakes, right? So is it working too much? Is it too much to do around the house so we can have a conversation with our partner about taking on more of the labor? You know, are there money worries? Are there worries about the kids, parenting, family? You know, the holidays are coming, right? Are we starting to worry about that? And maybe... You know, in the COVID world, um, there's this idea of, uh, you know, used to be worrying about seeing the family. Maybe now the worry is about not seeing the family. Right. So, yeah, it's all it's all a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's stressful. <laughs> this has been a stressful year. It's OK. <laughs> it's OK, everybody. That's right. It's a bit. You're right. Thanks for saying that, Vicki. It's a very ang- it's been a very anxiety inducing year for sure. Yeah. yeah, for all of us. So, you know, we've got the COVID anxiety um, and then we've got, you know, which is so many things, people losing their jobs, not having you know as much money, 
um, you know, which then just seeps into so much stuff and working from home. And if you're parenting, you know, all of that on top of all of the other stuff that has come before the other ways of thinking. Right. So for women, particularly, uh, we get messages. So whether the messages are from, uh, you know, growing up and getting certain, um, sex negative messages, which might be things like, uh, you know, men are for one, uh, sorry, uh, no sex before marriage kind of mm. thing, or men only want one thing, you know, mm. good girls don't, um, you know, then we end up with this kind of from, from Gina Ogden, um, you know, there's this idea of the infinite sisterhood of women with pelvic pain and scant sex education. So we end up with, you know, lots of women uh, and folks who are just sort of not knowing what's normal, what's not normal, all that stuff. So so the 4D wheel ends up being this kind of assessment um, before, during and after sex and intimacy. So we can use numbers, you know, we can rate it one to 10, you know, with one being lowest desire, 10 being highest desire. We can use a Likert scale of kind of rating it, you know, some of the questions as none, a little, some, or a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, we can look at the sexual script or the story uh, from that as well regarding um, these four elements, again, of heart, mind, body and spirit or soul, right? So, you know, some of the questions I might ask my beautiful women clients coming to me um, is, you know, where where are your thoughts, right? How are you thinking about intimacy and sex with your partner? You know, are we thinking about the evening ahead or the weekend ahead? Are you thinking about the details, you know, what you'll wear, what you'll do, you know, what positions, top or bottom, you know, dominance and submission. I like to talk about that with folks. Um, are you having any worries about your body? Um, you know, maybe you're upset with him that he said he was going to take out the trash and didn't. Uh, maybe you're thinking about oral sex with your partner. And so here I'm, I'm talking, you know, I just want to be clear about a heterosexual, a cisgendered heterosexual couple. Um, there are lots of these issues that come up with my same sex couples as well. So Um, I just want to make that clear that if I end up referring to, say, he or she, you know, it could be she and she or it could be, you know, he and he. Absolutely. Um, Which I think is also, I think that's also a great point that a lot of these problems aren't just for cisgendered relationships, you know, that that it spans across every different type of relationship and every different type of pairing there are sometimes like these problems that come up. So that also might be a little comforting for people to know that it's not just like everything's normal except for the things that you have to go to the doctor about, right? Like we say that all the time. And I think this is just another good example of that. So, Yes. And and cisgendered means the the gender uh, you're born. So if I'm born a a female, I'm cisgender female. Uh, If I then want to transition to being a man, then I'm a trans male. Hmm. So cisgender is just, you know, the gender you're born to make that clear for folks. So, again, getting back to, you know, how uh, women are thinking, you know, whether their partner is a man or a woman, um, you know, where is their mind? Where's their mental state? And I want to help them. And usually they're coming and wanting to transition from no to yes. Right. Yes, I want it. You know, uh, not. not yes, no, I want to try something new. I want to talk about it with my partner and. You know, try that thing that we saw in that show on Netflix. I don't know. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? Sure. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, tell me about that. What'd you see? <laughs> What'd you see on Netflix? Netflix is a Netflix is a great place. <laughs> is there a lot, a lot of sexy stuff on there? Oh, I don't know. I was just just offering an an example. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. We're gonna get to <laughs> even Justin, get to that after Justin's the show. Like, what shows are you watching? <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of that, actually, have you seen what is the name of that show? Oh, we we just, we just watched it. It was great. The one about the chess game. Oh, the Queen's Gambit. Oh yeah. We you haven't started haven't it yet. That. Oh, you've got to watch it. I'm oh, saving. I'm saving it for when we have a good chunk of time to actually sit there and kind of binge the entire show. <laughs> yes, yeah, super great. Actually, I have to thank my brother John Bianculi, excellent musician in New Jersey and piano teacher. Hi, John. You can. Hi, John. You can find him on John Bianculi Music. Uh, dot com. He told <laughs> me about it, and oftentimes he and I actually don't like the same stuff, but this one is a winner. He told me about it and I just, we adored it. So, right. Um, so maybe watching Queen's Gambit will get people in the mood. Not, although, <laughs> although, you know, interestingly, I, part of why I love that show is because it's really about the empowerment of women. So right. the 4D wheel, sex therapy, it's apropos in that it's bringing women from maybe being disempowered through the messages they've gotten or their own messages to being empowered. Well, even, you know, we were talking at the beginning of this about those different messages and you were saying, you know, good girls don't all that stuff. And, and one, why would you buy the cow and you can get the milk for free? And it's like, well, you know what, because it's, it's, 2020 2021 and sharing is caring and who cares so let's just <laughs> do what you want to do the, yes sharing of oneself yes yeah, that's right sharing it's is caring. caring oh i'm gonna you can i steal that vicky <laughs> absolutely that's really good sharing is caring with your partner right because really so so often i'm hearing women say really wonderful beautiful women who love their wives and their husbands you know they're coming in and they're saying why do i have to do this i feel like now i have to have sex with my partner uh because what vicky says that sharing is caring <laughs> well yeah <laughs> sharing is caring well we make an agreement when we marry or we commit um and we make an agreement, if it's an agreement about monogamy or fidelity versus uh, consensual non-monogamy, if we're making that monogamy agreement, then if we are not sharing out of caring, we are breaking the agreement. Right. And I think, too, when it's something like that, kind of to divert our, us back to the 4D wheel, but yeah. that kind of plays into the next part of the wheel, which is the emotion, right? So if there's a disconnect yes. between your emotional self your physical self your mental self that's where it's yeah. gonna be like well i don't want to because then everything's not harmonious right is that just me looking too much into it or is that how it works not not at all <laughs> and i know and i love that you use the word harmonious because i'm a musician and when i think about you know pleasure play and passion you know, I, I spent 25 years of my life being a professional musician. And right. I think about all the parts working together, right? All the parts of self, all the parts of the team, you know, with your in your marriage or your committed relationship. And yeah, it is harmonious 
to be getting in touch with uh, sexual health, optimal health, for not just for your partner, but for yourself. And I want right. women to start to see it that way. So where are their hearts, right? The second part of the 4D wheel, you know, we have these negative archetypes like um, the good girl we just mentioned, or, you know, that women think that sex, their role in, in terms of sexuality is, is as a mother, uh, not regarding pleasure. Um, well, yes, of course, sex, the important, one of the important parts about sex, if you're talking about the intercourse piece of sex, uh, is procreation. But then there's so much else, you know, we, women get to have a clitorises and you don't need a clitoris to get pregnant. <laughs> you need a clitoris to have pleasure. Um, right. I mean, you don't even need to, actually, that's not true. You don't need the clitoris, but sure. It's, it, it's really good. Right. Right. You know, I mean, the clitoris provides a lot of sexual pleasure for women. Um, also the G spot, it, that can be something that's very uh, sexually pleasuring for women. But anyway, what I want to explore with folks is what is the negative archetype that's creating the block, right? right. Um, thinking about uh, oneself only as, as mother. Um, I want women, you know, just Let's talk about, you know, what are your thoughts about how to imagine um, intimacy with your partner? You know, what, what's the context? Again, Nagoski talks about context. What's going on from the minute we wake up till the minute we go to we go to bed? If you need flowers from your lovely partner to make you feel more relaxed and romantic, you know, let's let's get that on. Let's get our flower game on. Right. You can ask for that. Um are we thinking about sexy lingerie? You know, all these things that put us in the mood. Speaking of music, I was thinking about that this morning, too. Music is something that puts us in the mood, right? It changes our heart state, literally. I mean, they play music in church. Right. So that you go from your mental thinking state to your feeling heart. Hmm. Um, they have music at weddings, right? Um, so that we're feeling the joy, not just thinking about the joy. And there's an so, emotional attachment to that. To music too, right? If you have a first dance song at your wedding, you're going to be emotionally attached to that song in a happy state. You know, if there was yes. somebody that passed away that they had a favorite song, you know, that song might be attached to a yes. little bit more of, you know, more of a, not necessarily always sad, but just a different type of emotion, you know, for their passing. Yes. And um, yeah. maybe, maybe people can have a sexy song that like gets them and their partner in the mood that they, you know, equate with that. And it becomes, you know, part of the routine where this is the song that you put on to signal to your partner. Like I'm in the oh. mood. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, like Ravel's Bolero. Right? What's that? Oh, Do I know? don't know that one. Dum, da, 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 dum, oh, dum, dum, da, 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 dum. <laughs> I think that's Ravel's Bolero. Um, uh -huh. So, so yes, and this leads into the third part of our little 4D wheel, which might be that it begins to affect your body, right? So if we, if we connect our hearts to our bodies, uh, you know, there's this archetype of, of Aphro, Aphrodite, you know, mighty Aphrodite, the Woody Allen movie. Well, <laughs> Aphrodite is, um, is just a glorious figure, mythological figure of, of uh, the richness of, you know, womanhood. And that's not just about being a mother, but that's about being a, a sexual being as well. Right. Um, you know, so if, if we have a block that our our Aphrodite is is frozen up or or not, you know, thawed yet, right. then we can we can unblock ourselves by really exploring where that has where has that come from. You know, for some people, again, it comes from family of origin messages. Sometimes uh, folks have experienced trauma. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, growing up in a particular uh, religious 
environment. Uh, sometimes it's it's well-meaning messages from our parents trying to help us stay protected. You know, like, remember that the guy only wants one thing. Mm. And so that's putting a sex-negative message on on sexuality. And, and they're right. I mean, we have to be careful about, you know, being sexual at a, at a point in time in our lives when we can kind of what am I trying to say? When we when our prefrontal cortex might not be fully developed yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So our, our exactly. So you know, our our parents just want to protect us, but those messages get get buried and they stay with us over time. Well, and I think too, with um, in regards to women, and I, and I know this is also valid for men, but I think it just gets talked about a little bit more with women. But the pressure that even society puts on women for their body to be a certain way, you know? So say you, you might be self-conscious about something on your own body because it doesn't look like this actor or this model or this, you know, picture of, you know, what you see somebody of your Mm -hmm. age should look like or or anything like that. That can also play a part. Sophia Loren. I know, like, (laughs) she's just wonderful. But like, you know, when you look at the different you know, sizes of what was in or what was whatever. And none of it should matter. Just if you're healthy, if you feel good, like those should be the things that make you feel good, you know? So that also I can feel if it's a new partner and you, maybe you haven't had sex with them yet. And you're just kind of like, Oh, my body, like, are they going to like this? Are they going to like this? I'm self-conscious about this. That might also be hard for people to get in the mood. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you bet. Uh, Yes. And I've worked with women where, you know, it's not even about their body shape, although that's part of it, but it might be about how their vagina looks. I mean, some women, some women are conscious about how their labia looks. Interesting. So, so there are books out there, which are very useful, uh, that actually show photographs of, of normal bodies, Hmm. you know, all the different shapes of uh, clitorises and labias and vaginas and and vulvas and penises and testicles and you know there are there are as many different sizes and shapes as there are people right yeah so once again back to it's all normal right everything um, yeah <laughs> yeah and and then you know um that this leads us into i think if if our bodies are being affected you know then then where's our soul where's our spirit you know are are we um being blocked a little bit in terms of that, um, you know, and how, and how can we transition to that place of, of, of power and yes. And, you know, and I was working with a couple recently, it was really so beautiful. Um, he was saying heterosexual couple, cisgendered. Uh, he was saying he, uh, really for him, the representation of the sexiest parts of his partner, his partner are hearing, just her silly thoughts, like her silly thoughts about, you know, eating pasta. Like she loves <laughs> pasta with, with pesto. And she was having some negative thoughts about, you know, guilt about how much she loves pasta and, you know, it fills up her belly and that's not going to look sexy. And, you know, there was this erotic moment between them. Well, I think it was erotic, but it was <laughs> I, I, it, it was a very intimate moment, I should say, and close moment as I'm looking at them on the screen during telehealth. They, they were so connected. And he said, when she talked about her pasta with pesto, he said, you are so sexy to me right now. <laughs> I just awesome. want to know more about what's going on inside that head. And her thought process was he must be thinking I'm disgusting and my pasta belly. And he thought it was just 
darling. Isn't that amazing? That's that that is amazing. And I think that's yeah. nice just for anyone listening or anyone that is maybe having a similar thing, just to know mm-hmm. that something is seemingly simple is talking mm-hmm. about how much you love pasta might be the yeah. thing that gets your partner to be like, I just love you. Like you're just you're just so attractive to me at this moment. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It was just, and I thought, oh, this is why I do this work. <laughs> to, to watch people as they go from being disconnected to really connected. connected. And that's, yeah, and that's intimacy. And intimacy includes sex. Uh, and sex includes intercourse, but sex also includes outer course. And it includes connection. So I think redefining how we think about sex is important too. For sure. And I think also, you know, just solidifying that Whatever you need to move that needle to put you Mm. in a place where you are in the mood and it's good. Like those are the things you should be talking about with your partner and be empowered to talk about it with your partner and know that it's a good thing to talk about it and to have those discussions and, Mm. you know, let them into your brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, for example, with low drive flow, right? Our lovely, our lovely uh, client, um, <laughs> and this is made up. You know, we don't use any of the real names, just so you all know. It's all confidential. Um, so she goes from being, for example, you know, we we might rate with her. Okay, so where is your, uh, what's your desire level before sex, during sex, and after sex, right? Uh, so, so one of the conversations I might have with Flo is, you know, how can we get you from a, a zero or a one, you know, to a two, right? Let's say. Um, and she might say, well, when I'm on vacation <laughs> and I know the kids are well taken care of, or, um, you know, I know I have vacation coming up, I'm much more relaxed. Um, I know that if, uh, my husband brings me coffee in the morning or my wife brings me my favorite bagels, um, you know, that I'm much happier uh, and therefore more relaxed, uh, division of labor, all, all that stuff. Maybe it's she's going to plan that on Friday she's going to leave work early, go home, take a hot bath, uh, put on some music like that. So what's going to take the brakes off, right? Um, maybe it's, it's really big, like I hate my job. And every day is a horrendous, stressful thing to get through. You know, we can start talking about, well, what do you want for yourself? Do you see yourself doing this ongoingly or do you want to make some changes? So that could be part of the conversation, too. Or it could also be, well, I like my partner to lick my clitoris side to side and not up and down. But every time we get in bed, my partner forgets and I'm really pissed. And so. I encourage her to tell her partner in the moment, hey, it really feels good when you do it side to side, not up and down. Can you do that right now? It's just changing the way it's phrased, you know, and even just trying to reframe the moment almost. Yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, um, ro- because also it's very simple or possible that it's hard in that moment to, to take a minute to reframe it. Because if you word it incorrectly, then both partners are now anxious or angry or nervous and it's it's hard sometimes to take yourself when you're the one in the moment feeling a certain way to take a minute to reframe that yeah and what happens is that 
rather than saying it, uh, because oftentimes women, for some reason, get the message that it's not okay to say it in the moment. They just hold on to it. Mm. Because, again, it leaves us vulnerable, right? We talked about the in the podcast uh, with the Mona Fishbane ideas that there's that there's vulnerability, um, which kind of leads to shutting down. And if we are, you know, shutting down, then we're where we are giving into our anxiety and that's not helpful. So we want to kind of figure out how to be <laughs> more open, more direct, which I know is hard. But I think when people come to couples therapy and sex therapy, they're able to uh, get steeped in this lovely, delicious soup of it's okay to do that. It's okay to be that direct and open. And you don't have to hold on to the resentment. You can just say, hey, you know, can you can you lick that thing side <laughs> to side rather than up and down? I know some people are going to go, oh, forget it. That is like way too much. But it can bring us from, for example, in the in the example of low drive flow, it can bring her from, let's see, this idea of, uh, let's take her mental state for a second. For a second. Uh, low drive flow is a 64-year-old hyposexual desire disorder, self-diagnosed, hormone-imbalanced client, patient. Uh, she's telling me that she's got low libido. She's got depression. Um, you know, and she's waiting for her labs because she wants to kind of have everything ruled out in terms of her biological and, and medical problems that mm -hmm. she thinks she has. Um, right. So, and, and again, this is uh, an example taken from some of Gina Ogden's work, although I see a lot of this in my practice every day. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm looking at all of the, her different big parts of her story. So in low drive flow, exa her example, she's got kind of three big trauma experiences. She has a, um, Let's see. Her brother was abused by parents um, at four years old, and she watched it, and she was his protector. Her dad died when she was seven, um, and her present partner um, is wanting to have an affair um, and, and wanting to open the relationship up to, to being polyamorous. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's like a lot going on for that's a, here, That's right? a lot for one person to handle all at the same time. <laughs> so um not I'm not going to go through the whole what I would do with her in therapy but but the basic tenant is that we want to get her from being sort of the state of shock that she has from early on with a lot of her trauma into what she calls um being she calls she identifies herself as uh, a woman of juice and power. <laughs> that's where she wants to go. So that's going to be like going from the zero one more toward five, right. six, seven, ten, right? Uh, or go from a little bit of desire or no desire to some or a lot, mm -hmm. you know. So that's that, that's kind of her her mental state in this four D wheel, so to speak. Her her spiritual state, we kind of bring her from uh, kind of victim or 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 waif to earth mother, right? You know, we can get her spirit to go that way. Her Emotional state goes from uh, depressed and constricted and anxious to more open-hearted. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is this happens from the exploration of her story or her narrative, and figuring out where she kind of got stuck, going back to that place, and and figuring out how to open it up. Sometimes with the four D wheel, we 
can do that using objects uh, or just images, uh, archetypal images. Um, in the in the stuck stand one we're going to do next time, um, he one of his objects is a lighter. Uh, and the lighter represents one thing from his early story and, and becomes sort of the light of the fire of sexual desire later. Because mm. Stan's got some stuff around, you know, issues early on. He's got some issues with substances, et cetera. But I'll get to that in the next one. And then finally with Flo, talking about her physical state, mm. um, she goes from this sort of hyposexual desire or hormone imbalance state to a place of feeling like she's in charge and she can change her hormones. Right. So, so with trauma, sometimes, you know, folks get, I mean, trauma uh, is, is a real thing and we end up becoming hypervigilant. We kind of get into this sort of uh, uh, state that can affect our adrenal glands and our hormones and it ends up uh, affecting us, you know, throughout the lifespan. And so, you know, therapy, sex therapy, um, couples therapy can really help shift all of that. Um, you know, if you have this hypervigilance, nightmares, um, and, and it doesn't even have to be a big trauma where you've got PTSD. These, they can be smaller traumas. You know, it can be, uh, for example, uh, just experiencing something with a peer where a peer, uh, you know, in school might, you know, without your consent and you're, let's say you're 12, you know, your peer pushes themselves on you. And now you have an idea about being disempowered. Mm. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe someone says something to you that feels traumatic. Right. So, you know, there's just lots of, you know, people will often come in and say, look, I really don't have a history of trauma. So... You know, I, I don't want I don't want to go there. <laughs> and Tra I'll, but I'll trauma say, can okay, be anything. That's right. That could it, it, you know we call them little T's, small traumas, or bigger T's, which can result in uh, PTSD. But most people, I think I've said this before, it's worth saying again. Most people, when they experience trauma, do not develop PTSD. Sometimes they do, uh, but mostly they don't. Uh, but there's still you know these experiences get lodged. In our memory. They get lodged and then they can disrupt the wheel because. That's right. It's like when you're rolling something down a hill and if there's a big rock in the way, then it'll make the whole thing yes. go to the side. <laughs> yeah, it, create, it creates a bump or it creates a, yeah, like a kind of an upset. Right. And that, and that upset can become that crisis that spurs people to coming in for therapy, for sex therapy. Yeah, like they think something's wrong. And actually... I'm so glad you said that, Vicki. Nothing is wrong, right? So the rock is in the way. That doesn't mean something's wrong. There's just a rock there <laughs> that caused the bump in the road. Again, it's all normal. This stuff happens. So and then maybe that rock is what finally gets you to say, you know, maybe I should try therapy. And whatever gets you here, we're happy to have you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. So kind of this idea of exploring vulnerability and, and letting go of kind of, you know, shameful and embarrassing thoughts, the double trouble thinking, um, you know, in the end, what I've seen play out is that, you know, vulnerability can can actually become very erotic because it's novel, right? It's different. Let's say it's raw and juicy. 
it can be it can be hot because ultimately each person wants to be accepted for their authentic self. And I hope that in a certain number of sessions I can get folks or I can I can be the lucky uh, collaborator who can help them along their journey. So I think that uh, that about does it, eh? I think so, too. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, don't forget to join us next time for Stuck Stan and our Low Desire Man conversation. Um, don't forget you can find me on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, the Happy Ending Therapist. You can call the office at 508-990-9909. And my website, www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. So thanks again, everybody. And remember to always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. Vicki and I will see you next time.